2: 995 gold that's 833995 three, gold 833995 three, g o l d
1: Thank you for listening.
2: This is The
1: Best Of with Clay Travis and Buck Sexton.
2: Welcome in. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. We've been reacting much of this week to the debate that took place on Wednesday night. Yesterday, much discussion. I told you who I thought the three best contenders were uh, on the stage. I said that Ron DeSantis, Vivek Ramaswamy, and Nikki Haley, to me, were the three best on the stage all night long. And I told you that I thought Nikki Haley's answer on abortion was the single best answer that I saw on the stage, which would guarantee a Republican victory uh, and should be the talking points going forward from everyone. And we are joined now by Nikki Haley. Uh, And so let's start there, uh, Governor Haley. Appreciate the time. You asked the question that I think every Republican should be asking. In addition to answering the question on abortion, I thought very, very well. You said the really radical position here is the Democrat one of abortion being legal at 38 or 39 weeks, and I'd like to see Democrats actually have to answer on that as opposed to Republicans have to answer on where exactly the line should be drawn going forward. I thought it's exactly right. Explain for people who may not have heard that, your argument your attack and your position on abortion
3: well thank you clay it's great to be back on with you again you know what i said was that i am unapologetically pro-life um not because the republican party tells me to be but because my husband was adopted and i had trouble having both of my children so i am surrounded by blessings but having said that i don't judge anyone who's pro-choice and i don't want them to judge me for being pro-life This is an incredibly personal issue for every woman and every man, and we need to treat it that way. And we need to be honest with the American people that, first of all, in order to, you know, I think the right thing happened. Unelected justices never should have been dealing with something this personal. It was sent back to the people to decide. I think that's where it needed to be. But the debate has been, should there be a federal law in reference to it? And the American people are never told the truth. They're just told to hate each other. And the truth is, in order for a law to pass on this issue, you would have to have a majority of the House and 60 Senate votes. We haven't had 60 Senate votes in over 100 years. We may have 45 pro-life senators. So no Republican president can go and ban abortions any more than a Democrat president can ban these state laws. So let's start talking about what's doable. And in order to do that, that means you have to find consensus. I think we can all agree that we should ban late-term abortions. I think we can all agree that we should encourage adoptions and good quality adoptions at that. I think we can all agree that doctors and nurses who don't believe in abortion shouldn't have to perform them. And I think we should agree that contraception should be accessible. And I think we should agree that no state law can say to a woman who's had an abortion that they're going to jail or getting the death penalty. Let's start there. The goal should be, how do we save as many babies as possible and protect as many women as we can? I'm not going to demonize this issue like everybody else has. I'm going to humanize this issue. And I think that it's time we're going to do that. And I refuse to get into the back and forth that's going to continue to divide women and divide people in this country. It's too important of an issue. And I said, I'm waiting for the day that the media ask Joe Biden and Kamala Harris or any of the Democrats if they're for 38, 39 or 40 weeks, because they have said they want abortion up until they want an abortion up until um, birth. And we should go and call them out on it and make them have to say it the way Republicans are constantly trying to get, you know, others to say what weeks we are in in the Republican side.
2: I think that's well said, Um, and I'm sure you look at the data, and also I'm sure in your life you have a lot of experience like I do, where let's say you're just out for dinner and you're not campaigning, and there are women, mothers out there who agree with Republicans on almost every issue, but they get locked in on abortion, and it drives the way that they vote. And the data, you correct me if I'm wrong, based on what you see, Governor, but the only way Republicans win in 2024 is by getting suburban moms, suburban educated women to come back to the Republican Party. And without directly addressing abortion and pointing out what Democrats are saying and why it's incorrect, there's no way to win those women.
3: Well, and not only that, I mean, it's just that's part of who I am, too. I ha- you have to respect the views of other people. You know, my, I had a roommate in college who was raped. I wouldn't wish on anyone to go through what she went through when she was wondering if she was pregnant. Be, you know, respect the fact that everybody has a story and their story might not be your story, but Republicans shouldn't be judgmental and Democrats shouldn't be judgmental on this issue either. So if they wanna be judgmental, call them out on it, but we shouldn't be a part of that. So let's focus on the issue and be constructive and focus on how we move forward. There's ways to do that. And we all actually agree on the things that I said. And so I think that that's the way Republicans should be talking about it. I don't think the guys have done it very well at all. And, you know, I'm not going to be a part of that.
2: Talking to Governor Nikki Haley, what's the reaction been since the debate ended for your campaign?
3: No, the phones have been ringing nonstop. We're so grateful Um, The you know, the support has been coming in. The calls have been coming in. We've continued to do press and campaigning. We still have long days, but that's what we want. And we knew you know, honestly, Clay, that we weren't going to see a bump in the polls up until now because we had been saving all of our money for TV. I think I'm the only candidate that's flying commercial. Um, we stay in a lot of garden inns and and residence inns, and we save all our money for TV. And I didn't go on TV like the rest of the guys through the summer because I knew families were on vacation and kids were out of school. We purposely waited. And, you know, we started to go on TV August 1st to get our message out. We were strong on the debate. We are, we've are, we done 80 town halls in New Hampshire and Iowa. We're touching every hand. We're answering every question. I'm the last person to leave. No one's going to outwork me in this race. No one's going to outsmart me in this race. We have a country to save, and I'm determined to save her.
2: Talking to Governor Nikki Haley had an outstanding, I thought, performance in the debate on Wednesday night. Uh, I, w- I like to ask this question. You were on the stage with seven other contenders. Trump obviously was not there. If you had to pick someone other than yourself that you would like to see as president in those eight, somebody that you think would do a fantastic job, it's easy to tear down people. Who did you like? Who have you gotten to know a little bit through the years that's running that you think, hey, you expect, obviously you want to be president. Who else do you think would do a really good job that was on that stage?
3: I mean, most of the guys on the stage are my friends. You know, I've known them for years, and I tend to always lean towards governors. I think the fact that, you know, you have to have uh, governors know what it means to actually run a state. That's like running a mini business, and you know the red tape, you know the bureaucracy, you know the the problem children that you can have at agencies, you know what you need to do to get things done, and you do it. And so, you know, anyone that's been a governor, I'm always going to say, you know, would do a better job than anyone who has not
2: You went after Vivek Ramaswamy on foreign policy. A little bit of fireworks there. The crowd really responded in a favorable way, I thought, to you in Milwaukee. Why did you attack him there? Why do you think he is weak when it comes to foreign policy?
3: Well, I didn't see it as an attack as much as I think that we needed to, you know, it was him being naive, and I wanted to make sure that people understood, you know, I disagree with him saying we need to defund our partnership with Israel. They're the first line of defense when it comes to taking on Iran. I disagree with the fact that he was saying, you know, we need to appease Putin and, you know, let him take 20 percent of Ukraine. You know, my husband's in the military. I like every military family. I don't want to see my husband go to war. So we need to believe Putin when he says when he's done with Ukraine, Poland and the Baltics are next. That means we're looking at a war. We need to prevent war. And when you look at that, I have said, I don't think we just give blank checks to Ukraine. I think we need to give them the military equipment and ammunition that they need with our allies. America has given, and we need to tell truth to America. America has given 3.5% of our defense budget to Ukraine. That's a small price to pay. To know that we are preventing war because the Ukrainians have built up a strong military and they are winning right now in Russia. We need to finish this war quickly, and I think we can do that. Biden has been slow to the take, but Vivek says we need to go and appease Putin, let him have parts of Ukraine, and then tell him he's got to get away from China. That's just naive. China and Russia name themselves unlimited partners. They meant it when they said it, they're showing it in their actions. China has been preparing for war with the u.s for years we see that in the infiltration in america whether it's them taking our farmland whether it's sending fentanyl across the border whether we see it in the fact that they're stealing intellectual property or how they're building up their military and china is watching what happens with this a win for russia is a win for china and americans need to be sober on that fact and that's why when ukraine wins this it will send the biggest message to china not to go into a to Taiwan. It'll send a message to Iran to stop building the bomb. It'll send a message to North Korea to stop testing ballistic missiles. But, you know, the things that he was saying, just they were naive at best. And I thought that he needed to be honest about the fact that you can't just say you're going to tell Putin to get away from China. It doesn't work like that. I've negotiated with Putin. I've, I've negotiated with China. I know how they are. And you have to really take them at their word and know that they're constantly lying to you.
2: We're talking to Governor Nikki Haley. Great performance in the debate on Wednesday night. Do you think that Joe Biden will actually be the Democrat nominee?
3: I don't think Joe Biden's going to serve his term. I have said a vote for Joe Biden is a vote for Kamala Harris. And, you know, I got into it with George Stephanopoulos about this yesterday because he got upset that I said that. You can't look at the decline that he has had just in these past three years and tell me that he's going to finish out the next four. It's There's not an American Republican or Democrat that believes that. So make no mistake, this is Kamala Harris waiting in the wings, and it should send a chill down every American spine to think that Kamala Harris could be president.
2: What's your reaction to the Trump mugshot and the Trump arrest that happened last night in Atlanta?
3: It was a sad day. It was disgraceful. I mean, the idea... That in America we would see a seventy-seven-year-old former president actually have to take a mugshot and to see this happening—I mean, no one should feel good about that—and you know, it's, it's—I I, I found it disturbing. I found it upsetting. I think it's wrong. And you know, and I, and I think that the media, you know, blowing this up is not helpful either. When I'm on the ground in New Hampshire and Iowa, they're not talking to me about how many indictments this has been. They're talking to me about the fact that the economy and inflation is sky high and they can't afford groceries and gas. They're talking about the fact they can't afford childcare. Um, you know, we've got to, really focus on those issues and the crime and the border and the fact that our children have fallen behind in education and that we have national security threats. But I I thought it was terrible that that that's what we had to witness yesterday.
2: Governor Haley, if people like what they're hearing from you, where would you tell them to go?
3: I would tell them we have a country to save and go to NikkiHaley.com and join us. We're going to finish this and we're going to make sure that America is strong and proud again.
2: Governor Nikki Haley of South Carolina, appreciate the
3: time.
4: Call Oxford Gold Group right now, and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals.
2: Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-GOLD. Up to a hundred dollars. Download the prize picks app, use promo code Clay, that's C L A Y to get set up and get a deposit match up to a hundred dollars. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. When you have health insurance, it's easy to think, hey, I'm covered, no
1: worries. Not so fast. Remember, your out-of-pocket costs are not covered by insurance.
0: And that can be a lot of money for your family, but how do you know you're not being overbilled? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors.
1: So unless you're a billing expert, how do you know your medical bills are accurate?
0: HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance. When your medical claim comes
1: in, HealthLock technology reviews the claims for errors like overbilling wrong codes and fraud.
0: HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden errors so you pay only what you owe.
1: You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills.
0: To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Bottom
1: line, insurance isn't enough. To save, visit HealthLock.com do it before you see another healthcare provider healthlock.com
2: healthlock.com welcome back in more positivity i am an optimist you know buck today is national bikini day um and uh, i would imagine that there are probably a decent number of our listeners still on vacation it would not stun me if we are being listened to all over the united states and some places around the world by people that are out on the beach today, uh, as they're uh, you know sort of sampling what's going on, checking to see what we're talking about. God bless. So, so are bikinis. you are you
4: claiming that there are ladies in bikinis listening to the Clay and Buck Show right now?
2: I would think that the answer is yes. Although I bet there's more men slightly overweight in bathing suits listening to the Clay and Buck <laughs> Clay and Buck Show right now than there are women in bikinis. But I will say this. I spend a lot of time, I, not this year as much, but uh, the you're in Miami. I bet you see people in bathing suits all the time. The bikini keeps getting smaller. Have you noticed this? Like, back in the day, it was like almost no one had a bathing suit where you could see the whole butt, right? That used to be really rare. Every girl wears, I don't even know how women get in these bathing suits, Every girl basically wears bathing suits. And I say girl, I'm saying like 16 to like 45 now. There's not a lot of difference in women's bathing suits. Uh there used to be like a mom bathing suit and then there was like a teenage girl bathing suit. You know, there's not a lot of difference anymore, buck.
4: Yeah, there there was like the like the the dark blue one piece, you know, that was kind of like of the mom. Piece, yes, the, the, the standard mom, mom. You know, you go with the dark blue one piece that you're like, yeah, it's a bathing suit. There's that
2: I know there's a lot of men out there who know what I'm talking. I can't tell now. Is that I, I, like I somebody's mom? Is that somebody's older sister? Is that like a sorority? Like the, the age range, there's almost no difference in the way people dress.
4: So, so I need to understand something, Clay. And I, I think the audience deserves the truth on this one. Do you own either European cut or full-scale Speedo oh, bathing no.
2: suits? No. I have never worn any, to my knowledge... I've never worn any bathing suit other than a, you know, like, knee-length bathing suit. I will tell you this, Buck. When I started dating my wife, uh, we were out with her dad. And he has a boat. He lives in Michigan. We were out on uh, one of the lakes. And he said, hey, can you take the wheel for a sec? I said, sure. I go to take the wheel. He drops his shorts full-on Speedo. Like, my wife's dad... First time I ever met him, really, just says, hey, take the wheel. My wife, I said, hey, you should have given me some notice that your dad was a Speedo guy because I had never seen anybody that I was with ever be in a Speedo before. And I guarantee you my jaw dropped because I'm sitting there trying to monitor the, the the boat. And later I was like, your dad wears Speedos? And you didn't think, hey, maybe I should tell my boyfriend given that he's going to meet my dad for one of the first times ever, that he's going to be in a Speedo out on the boat? No warning in advance. Would you have expected to get a warning in advance if your future father-in-law was going to be going Speedo on the boat?
4: I mean, is he European?
2: No, no. He's, he's born and raised? <laughs> no. Is he, yes. is he from uh... he is not. He's uh, not the south Italian. of France is, is he, he a grow guy up who on, uh, uh, on uh, the Mediterranean? No, no, no. This I is, think uh, the rule he,
4: is if you're wearing a speedo, it doesn't matter how small, how tight, or how inappropriate it is. If your name is Jean Paul and, uh, uh, and you have a big galois and you have a big chest hair, you know, then you're good. Then you're allowed to wear the speedo. But if you're Clay or Buck. It's board shorts, pretty much. Board shorts. Well, speedo are...
2: would be funny for humor purposes, like especially like an American flag speedo. Um, I don't think that I'm going to go that look anytime soon. Uh, but I, I, I felt as if I deserved the warning that hey, my father, your future father-in-law, big speedo guy, just be aware so that I didn't just look shocked when suddenly next thing you know he's rocking the banana. I hand. mean, I,
4: I will tell you, I did get taken to a nude beach once.
2: Oh, and that's I, a big revelation with 40 I, seconds left in the hour.
4: I did not I did not go nude. I was like I I can't I can't I'm not into this. Is it that was like acceptable? an optional, can you go
2: to the nude beach and and stay clothed?
4: There really wasn't very many people on the beach, so I felt like it didn't really matter, but I did end up on a beach that was technically considered to be a nude beach because it's a private beach. This was in the
2: Continental United States. Were they okay, were they people that you would want to see naked naked on the beach? Nope. Yeah. That's, that's that's the big issue with the nude beach it's never the people you would like yeah. to see naked that i'll tell you this there are lots of topless sunbathers where you live in miami and they're oftentimes very good looking women i noticed that i uh, you know i have not i plead the fifth uh, ever on seen, all these things plead the fifth. Yeah, i have never seen a uh, nude beach that has anybody attractive on it naked
4: We're joined now by the Attorney General of Kentucky, Daniel Cameron. Mr. Attorney General, appreciate you being with us, sir.
5: I am honored to be with you all. Thanks for having me and uh, uh, grateful for the the chance to talk a little bit about what's going on in Kentucky.
4: Yes, sir. Well, we want to talk to you about that, your upcoming uh, governor's race, uh, how Mitch McConnell could play into things and and a lot more. If I could, though, first, sir, uh, I wanted to ask you, you, you've you uh, taken some action, filed some lawsuits even, uh, revolving around or dealing with the unwillingness of the Biden administration to secure the southern border. Could you just tell everybody, what have you been doing on that front, and how do you see this dereliction of duty at the uh, southern border playing out in your state?
5: Well, um, you know, obviously we have made a decision to get involved uh, on this front in filing lawsuits and demanding certain actions be taken by, uh, the secretary of state, because it's impacting our people here in Kentucky. We all know that China is creating fentanyl, uh, at least the components of it. They're, they're being assembled in, in Mexico, and then they make their way across the Southern border and they impact and kill families here in Kentucky. In fact, uh, 73% of the overdose-related deaths that we've seen here in Kentucky are because of fentanyl. And so as the chief prosecutor and the chief law enforcement officer here in Kentucky, I've got a responsibility to all of our families uh, to do everything I can. And that's why I've asked the Secretary of State uh, in the Biden administration to declare fentanyl a weapon of mass destruction and to make sure that we label the cartels out of mexico uh foreign terrorist organizations because again we need a a approach from the federal government that takes this seriously that secures our border uh, and that uses every agency and department of the federal government to fight this on behalf of our families
2: appreciate you coming on uh, mr attorney general and by the way i want everybody listening in the state of kentucky to make no have no uncertainties about this there's a major election happening for y'all in November. Andy Bashir, and this is just me talking before I ask you a question, uh, Attorney General. Uh, Andy Bashir was a disaster during COVID. He doesn't yeah. represent the people of Kentucky. He has That's been right. a failure as a governor. Every single one of y'all listening right now, all over the great state of Kentucky in the bluegrass... You need to be doing everything you can to get this guy elected who we're talking to right now because it matters a lot. And that leads into this question that I'm going to ask you about. Uh, Daniel Cameron with us right now, Attorney General of Kentucky. There is a dispute. I know you know Mitch McConnell well. I know that he is a friend and a mentor of yours. He obviously is, is over 80 now, and he's had some health conditions, as most people over the age of 80 do. Kentucky passed a law. That effectively said, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, you're going to be the expert on this, but this is my understanding that in the event mm-hmm. Mitch McConnell were not able to fulfill his duties as senator through his term in 2026, this Kentucky state legislature would pick three people that they thought were potential replacements, give those names to the governor. Right now it would be Andy Bashir, and that Bashir would be obligated to pick one of those three to fulfill the term of Mitch McConnell or at least fulfill it till there was another race. Bashir is saying, correct me if I'm wrong and lay this out, because I think it's really important. Bashir is saying he doesn't believe that law is constitutional. And he's telling Democrats that effectively he would appoint a Democrat and challenge this in the courts and there would be a huge mess here. You, on the other hand, I imagine, would just, if you were in office, appoint a Republican, this wouldn't be an issue at all. Why does this matter so much? Am I analyzing it correct legally? And isn't this an integral issue for the people of Kentucky to be involved in.
5: Clay, man, you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, this is so important. I mean, Andy Bashir and the far left Democrats here in Kentucky have basically said they are going to disregard, dismiss the law that was passed by our General Assembly that, yes, says that in the event something were to happen to one of our senators, uh, then the governor has to essentially pick someone from the same party. But Andy Beshear said he's not going to do that, basically. Uh, and that's a shame. And the stakes are that high in November. We've got to have a governor that will abide by the laws that are passed by our General Assembly. Uh, and that's going to re- appoint a Republican to represent Kentucky's values in Washington, D.C. We need to have that um, maintained uh, in our federal delegation. And if Andy Bashir gets to make this pick, uh, he's going to disregard the law he's going to appoint uh, a far left democrat to be the next senator of Kentucky and and like you said they they enjoy holding things up in court and trying to litigate something and while that happens a democrat will be sitting uh, in uh, a senate seat here in Kentucky look again that's why this race is so important because you know that you know again if anything happens to one of our senators i'm going to appoint a republican And we're going to have somebody that reflects our values in Washington, D.C.
2: To me, this is a no-brainer to decide the election. And I want everybody in Kentucky to be listening to this, because what they're going to try to sell is, oh, we're going to have balanced government. I'm not really a Democrat. But he is saying he will defy the law of the Kentucky legislature, and he would tie this up in court, and he would put a Democrat in the Senate. And as you well know... Daniel Cameron, attorney general of Kentucky, who should be the next governor, as you well know, in a 50-50 Senate, which is effectively where we are, that decision could swing control of the chamber. I mean, this is a huge deal. I can't believe it's not a bigger story.
5: You're exactly right. I mean, it, it is such an important part of this race, such an important part of the November 7th election. And that's why we need to get as many people as possible to the polls. You know, right now we see uh, polling that shows that the governor and I are in a dead heat. But we've got to seal the deal we, because our kids and our grandkids' futures are on the line, but also, in many ways, uh, our state, United States Senate. And so I'm going to make sure that we have strong representation there. Uh, again, certainly don't want anything to happen uh, to uh, either one of our senators. Uh, I, I value and respect each one, uh, both of them, um, and I'm uh, honored to to know them and have their support in this campaign. Uh, But we've got to make sure we have a Republican governor uh, so that we can make sure that we continue to have Republican leadership in our United States Senate uh, uh, coming from Kentucky.
4: Kentucky Attorney General Cameron, appreciate you being with us, sir, and good luck to you.
5: Thanks so much. I'm going to jump off and start reading the American playbook. So thank you all.
2: I appreciate that. I think you'll enjoy it. I look forward to I look, I'll I'll put this offer out there. This fall when I'm hanging out and coming up for a Kentucky game or one of the races at Keeneland, let me know what I can do to help, and I'll I'll come to one of your rallies with you.
5: I appreciate that so much, guys. Thanks. God bless you. I
2: mean – I'm, I'm gonna come hang out that sounds have you like ever been fun. to Keeneland? have you ever been i to was horse gonna race? say i'm going i want to go to Keeneland. On, i want to go have fun things <laughs> at the races too by, by the way let me just let let you sit, sell for people who have never been to a horse race i might have asked you this before how much fun is it uh attorney general daniel cameron to go watch a horse race in kentucky
5: oh i mean there's nothing like it i mean it's the most exciting two minutes in uh, uh two to three minutes in in the world and uh yeah, I Buck, we gotta get you here, man. Come on with Clay. We'll have a good time. We'll make sure if we go to Keeman we do some tailgating as well. We'll catch a football game too. It'll be a nice weekend.
4: That sounds fantastic, Mr. Attorney General. Thank you so much. We look forward to seeing you and uh Clay. This is where I admit I have not been to Kentucky before. So. Oh no. I know. I know. So it needs to happen. This is a needs to happen situation.
2: Have you been no, to all fifty 50-
4: have you been to all 50 states?
2: No, I haven't. There's still a lot out west I haven't been to, and I want to go. In fact, we have a, I'm going to get a trip scheduled. I want to get an RV and hit a bunch of different western states. But, Buck, uh, th- what he just mentioned, th- I would argue, and, and people out in Kentucky can uh, can can take me up on this if you disagree, the best possible weekend in Kentucky is they have the overlap of the Keeneland horse races, which happen in Lexington, beautiful part of the country, Lexington, Kentucky. They have the horse race. And then they have a lot of times a night football game. So if you can balance the bourbon and pace yourself, you can go watch the horse races in the morning and in the early afternoon. And then you can leave and go watch a night football game in October when the weather is beautiful. And it is about as good of a Saturday as you could have anywhere in the country. I'm not sure what the overlap dates are, but that'd be a hell of a trip for us to take.
4: Sounds good. You know, unlike hanging out outside of miami right now where your shirt turns translucent in about 30 seconds from all the sweat you know what i mean this is different times to be in different parts of the country uh at at, at their peak it sounds like that's a peak time to be in in kentucky as i'm complaining about how hot it is here in south florida
2: When you have health insurance, it's easy to think, hey, I'm
1: covered, no worries. Not so fast. Remember, your out-of-pocket costs are not covered by insurance.
0: And that can be a lot of money for your family, but how do you know you're not being overbilled? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. So
1: unless you're a billing expert, how do you know your medical bills are accurate?
0: HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance. When your
1: medical claim comes in, HealthLock technology reviews the claims for errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud.
0: HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden errors so you pay only what you owe.
1: You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills.
0: To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million.
1: Bottom line, insurance isn't enough. To save, visit HealthLock.com do it before you see another health care provider healthlock.com healthlock.com
4: born from the tragedy of nine eleven, the tunnel to towers foundation has supported our nation's heroes and their families ever since heroes like marine corps sergeant adam mayo he served our nation for over seven years before he was severely injured during training he was paralyzed from the chest down severely limiting his ability to move around his home independently
2: Tunnel the Towers paid Sergeant Mayo's mortgage, removing a financial burden for him and his family. The foundation gave him a specially adapted smart home designed for his specific needs. Tunnel the Towers helped severely injured service members and first responders, as well as Gold Star families and the families of fallen first responders. It's already come to the aid of so many heroes and their families by providing mortgage-free homes.
4: The foundation is also committed to eradicating veteran homelessness join tunnel to towers on its mission to do good 95 cents of every dollar goes directly to their programs donate $11 a month to tunnel to towers at t2t.org that's t the number two t.org
2: welcome back in uh, clay travis buck sexton show appreciate all of you hanging out with us encourage you to get out there go subscribe to the clay travis buck sexton show podcast lots of cool unique offerings there also uh, encourage you to download the iHeartRadio app, and you can grab it anywhere. Buck, I know there's a lot of talk of negativity out there uh, about the future and, and where uh, we are headed. And I saw this story from The Hill, uh, and it is the political identities of 12th grade boys. Uh, and that is the percentage identifying as liberal or conservative. Have you seen this story yet? Nope. Okay. So I think you're going to consider this to be a, a positive. So they study this going all the way back to 1975. Let me give you an idea. In 1975, 25% of, uh, of high school boys considered themselves liberal, and about 17% considered themselves to be conservative. So there were substantially more liberal 12th grade boys And what's interesting is conservatives since 1975, conservatives are surging and hitting all-time highs among 12th grade boys. In fact, 25% roughly now consider themselves to be conservative. And I thought this was crazy. Liberal continues to tank in the last several years. It's now down to about 13%. So a huge percentage of 12th grade boys now are identifying as conservative. And I am fascinated by this because, of course, I'm raising three boys right now, but I also am around them uh, quite a bit, them and their friends. and, and, And it's interesting. I think that boys are overwhelmingly rejecting the woke culture that they are growing up in and rebelling in particular. Now, I don't know what girls are doing, right? I'm not sure what the data would reflect on girls. My inclination would be that girls have always been more liberal in the 12th grade, and women are in general vote more liberal than men. But this was an encouraging data point that basically conservative 12th graders, again, this is a story in the Hill, are now setting all time highs every one of the last few years. And the number that are liberal is collapsing. Does that surprise you? Does that encourage you?
4: Well, I think that part of the uh, the left wing plan has been to go after uh, more aggressively uh, younger and younger. Uh, well, uh, issues that affect younger and younger males uh, specifically, um, whether it's toxic masculinity or also the the assault on on gender uh, overall. And I think that there's just a this stuff is incongruous with nature and with our natural selves, right? You're, you're a 12th grade boy. You know, you've gone through puberty. Really, I mean, 12th grade, you're basically in a, a, close to being an, a A lot legal of them can adult. vote. Yeah, a lot of them are 18. I mean, you know, go tell an 18-year-old Marine that he's, you know, a boy and, you know, watch your teeth, you know? I mean, 18 is not, you know, we're not really talking about young kids here. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think part of this is the aggressive agenda of the left. Um, has has just been running up against the, the basic feelings that you have as you become a man, you know, um, and, and, and the war on masculinity has become more and more aggressive at a younger age, and, you know, the pop culture is increasingly trying to undermine that. You know, there, there is a, you know, whether it's starting with little boys, you know, three, four years old who want to play with trucks and dinosaurs. I know this from my own little nephew. He doesn't want to play with princess dresses. He wants to, yeah. and he picks. He wants to play with trucks and dinosaurs and crash them and make a lot of noise. And my gra- you know, my mom and dad, grandpa and grandma, they have to run around and chase him. And he's, you know, a little, little crazy man. And on uh, my friends who have girls who are that age, they say it's a very different situation. That continues, and by the time you're 18, unless you've been so fully indoctrinated, you recognize that what the left is pushing is
2: contrary to your basic masculine nature. I agree with that 100%. I also, Buck, would build on it. This makes why Andrew Tate, Joe Rogan, Jordan Peterson, I think they they represent different aspects of uh, the masculine id, but why all three of those guys are so incredibly popular on YouTube Obviously, there's a big gap between Jordan Peterson and Andrew Tate, but I would say what connects them is discussing traditional notions of masculinity and how to be a man. I think that young boys rising into 12th grade when I see this data are recognizing that they're being sold a bill of goods and that much of what they're being told is not real and they're rejecting it. I take it as an incredibly encouraging sign. I I I'm encouraged by it, too. There's uh,
4: other data out there that, you know, some college classes, half of the class practically now says they're LGBTQIA plus And yes. they use terms like cisgender and everything else. So, you know, I don't know whose data sets are more indicative of where things are going. But uh, at, at the end of the day, if you believe boys are boys and girls are girls and there's a difference between the two, You find yourself becoming more conservative and right wing over time, and that is to our advantage.